Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, April 14th. Mixed reviews on the region's climate action plans. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego law enforcement leaders say they've agreed to change how cases where officers shoot and kill people are investigated. They said on Wednesday that when a law enforcement officer in any department in the county other than the sheriff's department shoots and kills someone, the sheriff's department will do the investigation. If the incident involves a sheriff's deputy, San Diego police will handle the investigation. Police reform advocates demand that no law enforcement agency agency investigates any other law enforcement agency, but Under Sheriff Kelly Martinez rejected that. Um, I understand the question. I understand the point. Everyone thinks every agency is the same and that we all work together very closely, but it, it's really not. They're, they're much more independent. We're all independent of each other. Martinez says every local law enforcement agency in the county has signed the new agreement. Sandag plans to move forward on a project to connect public transportation to the San Diego International Airport. The chair of Sandag, Encinitas Mayor Catherine Blakespear, said on Wednesday that downtown San Diego is the preferred site for the Central Transit Hub. The hub would serve anyone going to and from the airport, whether by bus, trolley, the coaster, or Amtrak. The San Diego Padres are having their home opener today at Petco Park. The team will take on the Atlanta Braves tonight with the first pitch scheduled for 5.10 p.m. San Diegans had to wait a bit longer for the Padres' home opener because of bargaining delays that included a three-month lockout. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Climate advocates are giving the region mixed reviews when it comes to developing climate action plans. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says that may cost the region access to state and federal funding. More than half of the region's municipalities have climate action plans, and the latest report card singles out three examples of good ones, Escondido, Encinitas, and La Mesa. The top-ranked Escondido plan focused on climate equity, green infrastructure, and food availability. Casa Familiar's Alejandro Almador says the region's communities of color continue to carry a heavier environmental burden than their neighbors. San Isidro is one of these communities that has to endure the exposure to higher levels of air pollution caused by freeways that surround and intersect our community. Almador says that leaves residents more vulnerable to the impacts of a changing climate. Poway is the only city with no commitment to developing a climate action plan. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. The president of the San Diego Humane Society just got back from a special trip to Poland to help the pets of Ukraine. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says Dr. Gary Weitzman left his heart there and he hopes to return to do more. What do you think, baby girl? Oh my God, you are sweet. It's a typical day for Dr. Gary Weitzman, veterinarian and president of the San Diego Humane Society. 
His mission is caring for pets and making sure they get a good home. Recently, that mission took him to Poland's border with Ukraine. Hi, I'm here with um, the little guy we we found this morning. And we've named you Slava, Slava, which means glory, like Slava Ukraini. When he saw the images of people fleeing from war with their pets, he knew he had to help. And what we wanted to make sure was that they didn't have to lose the animals on top of their homes and everything else in their lives. Weitzman hopes to return, but won't soon forget those he comforted through helping their pets. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. The CDC is extending its masking mandate on airlines and public transportation through May 3rd. Meanwhile, recent data from San Diego County indicates continued low rates of COVID-19 infection, hospitalizations, and deaths. Dr. Eric Topol is the director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla. He spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Here's that interview. With the CDC extending its mask mandate on public transportation nationwide, how important has masking on airplanes and transit been to preventing the spread of the virus? Well, it does provide some help. Uh, The problem we have had with Omicron and then this second BA2 variant is it's so hyper-infectious that unless you've got an N95 or KN94, the, the cloth masks just don't really cut it. So uh, all masks help to some degree, but you've got to get the really uh, high quality ones to make a difference with these uh, very difficult variants. Philadelphia just reinstated its indoor masking rule. Uh, Governor Newsom has talked about the possibility of bringing back masking as needed. Uh, at what point in the local infection rate do you see reinstating a mask mandate as necessary? Well, right now we're as good as we have been in, in uh, San Diego in the region as since the beginning of the pandemic, lowest number of hospitalizations. Uh, It's hard to get a real handle on the cases uh, because people are doing a lot of home testing and or not testing at all. But the wastewater surveillance is another good way to look and the test positivity rate in those that we do get tests, the uh, PCR tests. And all the metrics look very favorable. Yes, we're in the midst of a national BA2 wave, which is being seen mostly in the Northeast right now. We will see some more. LA is certainly um, showing some more signs of it, but it doesn't look like it's going to be anything like we went through uh, December, January, which was a monster wave and the worst wave of the whole pandemic. San Diego's current infection rate is relatively low, as you mentioned, and the county says the spread of COVID is likely decreasing. What's your take on the current situation here? Well, we're likely going to see an uptick in the weeks ahead. Uh, Certainly between now and the first part of May, the trend as we became fully dominant with this BA2 variant, because it's 30% more infectious than the original Omicron, we're going to see some uptick. Uh, We've already seen a bit of that in LA. It's unlikely not to occur here as well. But uh, it doesn't uh, appear as anything worrisome. I mean, this is more like a bump than than a wave. Uh, So it doesn't mean we should just think the pandemic's over. It isn't over. We should keep our guard up. Uh, And so um, in the weeks ahead, we'll see the the full scale of it. But it doesn't look at all concerning right now. We still, in the months ahead, uh, face the prospects of of an even more worrisome variant. So that's something to keep in mind. And what advice can you give about booster doses, uh, given what we know? 
clearly, if you're over 60 and you're at least four months from having had a booster, uh, you'll benefit both from survival uh, and being uh, enhanced as well as avoidance of hospitalization. If you haven't had any booster, it's essential because the protection that you get from the booster against Omicron, especially if, you know, if you're over age 50, but any adult is substantial. Uh, and we're talking about serious illness, hospitalizations, deaths, long COVID, everything. So the booster rate uh, in San Diego and California is much too low, much lower than the countries that have really done well against uh, Omicron in terms of keeping their hospitalization rates and deaths very low. So we've got to get the booster rate boosted. It's really essential. And that was Dr. Eric Topol speaking to KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. San Diego leaders have announced a plan to create a San Diego Black Arts and Culture District in the Encanto neighborhood. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer has more. The San Diego Black Arts and Culture District would brand the Imperial Avenue area in San Diego's Encanto neighborhood as a black cultural center. San Diego Council President Pro Tem Monica Montgomery Stepp says it would honor the hard work and contributions of the black community. An arts district has the potential to help us attract more businesses, more cultural organizations, events, and tourism to this area, while not forgetting who we are and who got us there. The actual location of the district would be on Imperial Avenue between 61st and 69th Street, including Marie Widman Memorial Park. The City Council's Economic Development Committee heard the proposal for the Black Arts and Culture District for the first time Wednesday afternoon. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, veterans may be more likely to develop eating disorders than civilians. We'll have that story from the American Homefront Project next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
A recent study suggests that military veterans might be more likely than civilians to develop eating disorders, especially if they've experienced PTSD or sexual assault. It's an area that hasn't been researched much in the past. Desiree DiOrio reports for the American Homefront Project. Chandler Rand has struggled with various eating disorders since she was a kid. She says she's healthy now, but her recovery is an ongoing process. She still has to fight off negative thoughts about her body image and weight. It's basically like walking a tightrope is what it means for me day to day. Back in 2016, Rand was a Marine. She'd been successfully treated for anorexia as a teenager, but after boot camp, she began to binge eat and became bulimic. I don't think I saw that as part of my eating disorder at the time. I think I just saw it as part of being a good Marine. To Rand, that meant meeting the strict military standards for weight and body fat percentages. At the same time, she was coping with a sexual assault that happened in college. You just want to obsess over something other than like fear and panic or sadness and guilt. So you try to like place this moral high ground on food and fitness. People like Rand and others who develop harmful eating habits during their service have not received much attention from the Departments of Defense or Veterans Affairs. But a study by the VA in Connecticut shows that veterans have bulimia at about three times the civilian rate. Some develop eating disorders while they're in service, and others grapple with food habits after they're out. Dr. Robin Mashab is a research psychologist and the founder of the Veterans Initiative for Eating and Weight. It's one of the only national programs that studies eating disorders in veterans. I was first of all seeing very high rates of binge eating disorder in the veteran population, but I also wanted to know about these other disorders. She says risk factors unique to military service go beyond the strict weight requirements people talked about being in very chaotic eating situations where one had to either go for a long period of time without eating anything or having to eat very quickly. She also says veterans who were sexually assaulted are more likely to develop eating disorders. For ex-Marine Chandler Rand, it was all of the above. I think the military environment, aside from height and weight requirements, can be a perfect storm for an eating disorder. That's because so much of military life is based on numbers and rules. You're scored on your fitness tests and your combat fitness tests, and there's point systems for conduct and proficiency and the rifle range, and so you always want to be in that perfect score range, and so... To me, that was just another, like, score I had to meet. Now, Mashab's new study is focused on how VA doctors can screen veterans for eating disorders. She's experimenting with different ways to ask veterans questions about their relationship with food. Typically men, and more typically our veterans, are uncomfortable with that language of being out of control, right? Being in the military is about being in control. Mashab received a Defense Department grant to test virtual therapy to help veterans with eating disorders. But she says veterans face other challenges, like busting the myths that eating disorders only occur in young women, or that patients who are overweight can't have an eating disorder. In March, the Defense Department released new guidelines that grant more leeway for the service branches to loosen the restrictions on weight and fitness standards. Mashab and Rand agree that's a small step in the right direction. 
And that was Desiree Diorio reporting from Long Island. This report was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.